Hello and welcome to the Olympic Channel podcast. I'm Ed Knowles. The podcast is the place to get the best bits from olympicchannel.com. And if you need to get up to date with all the goings on in the Winter Olympic Games in South Korea, well, you're in the right company. With all the very best interviews, plus an insight into Korean culture, get ready to truly go beyond the snow and ice. To be honest, I had a very early alarm clock today because today is the big press conference for the Team USA half-height snowboard. And that means Sean White. He will be in this press conference room in a matter of moments. In fact, we've got a bit of a snowboarding special for you today. Coming up, well, double Olympic champ Sean White is in the house. And so is 17-year-old US sensation Chloe Kim too. And we get a bit of snowboarding history from Hilary Sims, the wife of the late Tom Sims. Tom pretty much invented the snowboarder. Well, first, here are the top stories from olympicchannel.com. 18-year-old US figure skater Karen Chen says she's dreading the competition in Pyeongchang. Two hockey sisters could face off at the Winter Games under different flags. Marissa Brandt was adopted as a baby and grew up playing hockey with her sister Hannah. They'll represent the US and Korea in Pyeongchang. And have you ever wondered where curling stones get made? Well, every one comes from a special Scottish island. Remember, you can check out all of those stories at the website or app, go to olympicchannel.com and then click on the news tab. So the press conference is all done and Sean White is out of the building. For anyone who doesn't know Sean White, then where have you been? He is snowboarding's biggest name. Think Tiger, Serena, Messi, Tom Brady. He won gold in Torino and Vancouver and has been a pro snowboarder since he's been seven years old. White crashed out in Sochi at the halfpipe and he's back for more now. He had a big injury back in New Zealand in October, but even so, he doesn't think that we've seen the best from him yet. I definitely have a couple things in mind that I've been working on that I'd like to iron out. Um, and here's the time to, to basically do it and try to put it in my run. Um, but I'm excited. It's definitely been an interesting path to get here. You know, I, I, I recently had a crash in New Zealand and that just really kind of like threw me a loop. You know, I wasn't ready for it. And all of a sudden I'm in the hospital and I'm like, God, I really want to do this. Is something we really want to like, you know, in life's challenge, you know, do I really want this? And, uh, and, uh, you know, I set my goals to be here and work on my runs and push through that fear and all those things. And so I'm really excited to say that I'm definitely, you know, I, I, I haven't put down my best run yet. So, Sean, I guess you are the elder statesman. Never knew I would use that term next so to So it name. seems, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but can you talk about a bit of what you are able to do now and maybe what you aren't able to do now that you were able to do 10, 12 years ago. Are yeah. there some things you can do now that you weren't able to do then, some things you can't do now? And uh, how does age affect someone like you? And yeah. uh, does it ever get tiring being here? Uh, honestly, you know, the biggest, the biggest hurdle to clear was just the mental game. Um, physically, I feel stronger than I've ever felt before. I feel more like I know who I am and I know my riding and my abilities, all those things. It's just kind of the mental mindset of like having you know, one and then, you know, having to win after winning and win after winning after winning, you know what I mean? Which is obviously a great problem to have, but you know, it's, it's finding that motivation, it's finding that drive. And I've been challenged again and again um, throughout the season and the seasons before this 
to be prepared for you know uh, this big event. Uh, and, but that would be the biggest challenge, you know. And and when I was younger, I would say that you know that that fire, that fight was just undeniable. Like it was just so easy to show up and like rain or shine or whatever. Like I'm gonna throw down. I'm gonna do my best runs and. You know, you don't think about it as much, but you know, you get a little older. You got, you got a dog at home, and you got, <laughs> you know, relatives calling you and people and things, and you know, your life just gets a little more complex. And uh, you know, you got to kind of push those things aside and, and focus on the goals at hand. It's kind of like what I talked to Kelly about. You know, she's a big inspiration. This is her fifth Olympics. You know, she's still going, and we kind of give the high five at the end of the contest. Like the, the old guy still got it, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so those are the biggest challenges. And I think after Sochi, it was a, a nice like um, eye opener for me of like what life's really like. You know, that, that bubble that you live in is kind of shattered and you're like, okay, well, what do I really want to do and what's next? And, and I was able to make that decision, so it's great. Like, So I've not been here very long, but I've already noticed some very strange goings on in South Korea. Nothing too weird, but everyone here seems to be very superstitious. Heiji Kim is an Olympic volunteer and she's here now to tell me all about it. Hello, Heiji. Hi. Why are you scared of the number four? So if we translate number four into Chinese character, it means death. So yeah, people would want to avoid using number four or write Number four. So in like old buildings, you could, um, if you ride an elevator, there's one, two, three, but they don't write number four. Instead, mm. they put F, the alphabet F, instead of the number four. Yeah. In case, so people don't want to uh, avoid no. number four. Do you, would you, if you got number four in a hotel, would you be like, mm, uh, I'll not? be like, oh, please change. Really? Room. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, not too, no, not that much, but I'll be kind of like, uncomfortable it's a bit like that with number 13 in the uk at least oh. and you told me never to sleep with the fan on i do this all the time at home now why is that actually i think this is a very funny superstition because and i can't believe that i actually believe in that when i was young my grandmother told me like if you sleep um in a room in a closed room with uh windows closed and your fan on then you'll die the next day <laughs> And I actually believed in that, but so I tried that actually, but um, the next day I was breathing well. So, uh, well, good. <laughs> I'm living proof that that one. I'm, I'm not sure about that one. And I have a nice red pen right here, but if this was a pencil, you wouldn't like that either, would you? No, no, I wouldn't let you write my name in red, in red ink or red pencil. So it's the red ink, not the the coloring of the pencil. That's no, the problem. The color, the red color. That's the okay. problem. Yeah. No, no, no reason. It's just it's a big problem. Oh no, no. So I think this superstition came down from the Chinese superstition. So in China, like long time ago, only the emperors were allowed to use like write their name in red. So like randoms, like people, the civilians, if they write their name in red, then they were sentenced to death or they got a death penalty. So I think that kind of like came into Korea, Korean superstition, and also like red symbolizes blood and death so yeah i think i'll feel very uncomfortable if my friend just said hey can i write your name in red yeah i would never let my friend okay let's <laughs> put the red pen and the red pencil away then thank you hey g that was tay yeah, back sure. as usual <laughs> mm -hmm. so at the press conference with sean white was 17 year old chloe kim 
I mean, imagine being at the Olympic Games aged 17 years old. But she's already a big established name in the snowboarding community. She blew everyone away in 2016 when she landed back-to-back -back 1080s. If you don't know what that is, take a look at it. It's pretty difficult. It was something that simply hadn't been done before in women's snowboarding. And she's still a hot favorite for gold in the halfpipe at Pyeongchang. And I managed to shoot a question at her at the press conference. Chloe, growing up uh, with Korean heritage, did your parents ever have any Korean superstitions? I know the number four is a bit of a problem in Korean culture. Do you have any little rituals before you, you drop in? What, what, what kind of freaks you out in terms of superstitions? Um, four is actually my lucky number. <laughs> um, so <laughs> hopefully that's not true. But um, no, I definitely you know grew up in a very Korean environment. Um, always ate Korean food, you know, my parents always taught me Korean songs that I don't know anymore, but, um, and then I went to school in America, so it's like, I feel like I grew up with both cultures, and, um, you know, it's, I think that's a really cool experience for someone, and just growing up, I feel like it made me more open-minded towards other people, and just um, more accepting, so very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my parents are both really excited to be here. Um, we have family, you know, my grandma's out here cheering me on. So um, I think it'll be really fun for her to watch. And uh, I think it'll be a really fun experience for the whole family. So I'm excited. Great. And what about, do you have any superstitions or things you do prior to dropping in or anything like that? Um, I guess I knock on my board to like unjinx myself, but that's kind of all I do. Um, I don't really think about anything <laughs> before I drop in. I just listen to my music and just go for it. How many knocks? <laughs> Two, um, it depends on how nervous I am. I'm about stealing being, that. <laughs> so if I'm really nervous, I'll just be going in. <laughs> The guy interjecting there was actually Sean White. So we'll see if those superstitions pay off. Remember, if you want to get a head start on any of the games, check out our stories to watch at olympicchannel.com. Just chuck the sport, Olympic Channel, and stories to watch into a search engine, and in theory, it all should be there. So head to pretty much any ski resort in the world, and you'll not only be greeted by a load of skiers, but snowboarders too. It wasn't always this way. And in some ways, that's down to Tom Sims. He's credited with many things, but the main being a snowboarding pioneer. After making a primitive ski board as a kid in seventh grade in the 60s, he went on to have his own snowboard company and became one of the biggest first names in the sport. Even if you don't know the name Tom Sims, you've probably already seen his distinctive surf-inspired style. He was Roger Moore's stunt double in the James Bond movie A View to a Kill. Sadly, Tom died in 2012, but I spoke to his wife, Hilary Sims, and I began by asking her why we should remember Tom Sims. Tom pretty much invented the snowboarder. It was, that's, that's what I think most people would feel that he should get credit for as, as an early pioneer of the sport, and that he took his skate style and surf style and the attire, you know, the, the baggy clothes and, and uh, you know, mismatched clothing and, and really pretty much created the, the snowboarder and the culture. 
I mean, there's no uh, bigger moment for snowboarding than when you are James Bond in a James Bond movie in A View to a Kill. Uh, Tom did all the stunts, didn't he, for, um, for Roger he, Moore? He invented that scene. He went to Willie Wagner and said, um, I think you should put this in your movie. And he said, well, what can you do that's special? And he said, I can ride across water. Um, I can ride across a lake on a snowboard. And he said, okay, well, let's, let's try it. So without even, you know, a practice run or anything, that, that scene was the first take, and that made it into the movie. They do credit, credit Tom with that scene in that movie as catapulting snowboarding into a mainstream commercial sport. Could you describe his snowboard style? I could be at the bottom of a run and look up on the mountain amidst, you know, lots and lots of snowboarders and skiers, and I could pick out Tom coming down the, the mountain, the way he carved his style, the way he held his, his arms. Both my girls are here, and they're agreeing. When you see it at the Olympics, is there a sense of kind of just how far snowboarding's come now? Because... At the time when the James Bond movie comes out, you couldn't even get on a ski lift with a snowboard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And and then especially in 1998, when snowboarding was allowed into the Olympics, that was held in Nagano in Japan. I, I wasn't with Tom at that time, but, you know, just hearing about that experience and seeing that sport become an Olympic sport was just the highlight of his life. And there's a special plaque going up in Tavistock Country Club. Could you just describe what that is and why that's a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because that is where Tom rode his first board, the board that's in the museum in Vail. Yep, so that's where they used to sneak onto the golf course and the highest points up there is, I believe, on the 14th fairway, between the 14th and 15th fairways. That plaque is going to symbolize the birthplace of snowboarding in the U.S. And that's it. Big love to Julian, who's been taking pictures and grabbing all the sound for me here in South Korea. Shout out to Team USA again. And Heiji Kim, who will be back to teach me a little bit more about Korean culture next time too. Before I go, please do remember to give us a five-star rating on wherever you've managed to find us. It really does help other people find us, so nice one for that. And if you did like it, tell people. Leave us a comment on Facebook and Twitter or Instagram. I will be scouring the comments, looking for any podcast heads. So thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>